0: Grace on the go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, April 3rd, 2022 called Choose Church from the Being Challenge given by Pastor Chris Simmons. The scripture passage highlighted for today comes from the book of John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So it's great to be with you as we're here. I'm um, uh, choosing church, right? The last sprint in this 40-day challenge of the being challenge. And as I, I kind of made the joke before that a pastor telling you you should go to church is like a car salesman telling you you should buy a car, right? But when I take that, I, I take it seriously because I think of before becoming a pastor, before it was even on my mind, before the Holy Spirit even said, you're going to become a pastor one day, um, I was a dance instructor. If you didn't know that, we taught ballroom dance respectively in Chicago for a long time, and we did these ballroom dance competitions oh, man, like when you were successful, like we were, uh, not, without being prideful, we were successful in what we were doing, which meant when you went to a ballroom dance competition, you had a lot of work you had to do. I like how I'm looking at her like, right, honey? Yeah, but um, we had, you had so much work you had to do. You'd get there Thursday night, and then you'd be up at like four in the morning, and you got to get yourself ready. You got a spray tan. I know, right? That sounds glorious, right? I don't do it for Sunday worship yet. <laughs> So, um, but you'd have to get up, you'd have to be covered in spray tan, you've got to get your, you know, makeup, she's getting makeup, eyebrows down, sparkles, everything like that. And then you've got to go help your student at like 6-ish a.m. to get their hair ready, because then everything that starts dancing starts happening at 8. And then you're dancing all the way until like 11 p.m. And you're like, oh, and then you finally have like pro shows and things that people are watching. It's like 1 a.m., you're limping to your hotel room to go to sleep by 2 to wake up and do it again Saturday morning. You get, like, you know, three-ish hours of sleep, right? She, she's reliving it. I don't want her to, like, break down right now. But, like, you get three-ish hours of sleep, two days in a row, and you do the whole thing again. you got to get yourself ready. you got to sparkle. you got to smile somehow um, on, like, three hours of sleep over the past two days. Do it all the way, and then Saturday nights were so long. Because you, 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 you danced all day, and if you did 100 entries, you're, like, limping. Your feet are bleeding, and you're like, I just can't wait for this to be over, and you do this dinner and you dance more at the dinner and you're getting back to your hotel room like 2, 3 a.m. and you're like, "Oh, finally." And when we when we first got married and we were both in this business, oftentimes that Saturday we were like, "We're done. We can't wait to sleep in. We're definitely not going to church tomorrow." Because church started at 10 a.m., 10, 10 a.m., and we were usually like an hour, hour and a half away from where our church was. We're like, oh, that means we're going to have to get up and start getting ready at like 7. That's another night of three or four hours of sleep. There's no way we're going to church tomorrow. So we wouldn't go to church. And then Monday would roll around, and I'm going, golly, you know, I am still so tired. And Tuesday would roll around. I'm like, gosh, not only am I tired, I'm like sick of people. I've been with people all week. And I'm not like that anymore. I love you all. This is, this is years ago, right? I'm like, gosh, you know, I'm just, what's wrong with me? And then Wednesday rolls around, and you're still not feeling better. And after about two, three times of dance competitions like that, you'd have like about four-ish over the course of the year. Samantha and I just looked at each other, and were like, you know what? No matter what tomorrow, we're going to church. We just decided that. It wasn't like an executive decision. It was just like we felt inspired. We got to go to church. So we'd sleep. It'd be a third day in a row of like three-ish to four-ish hours of sleep. We'd get up, pack up, and we would go to church. And I'll tell you what, Monday would all of a sudden roll around, and it wasn't that bad anymore. And neither was Tuesday, and I wasn't so sick of people anymore, right? I felt reinvigorated after a long week of a lot of dancing. My feet are bleeding. I'm limping into church, grabbing stuff like I felt so much better. And I don't tell you this story to guilt you into anything, right? If you're, you know, like sports tournaments and things happen and you have a late night and you don't make it to church, that's okay, right? I'm telling you my story not to make you feel bad, but how it really fundamentally changed me when we started to decide, like, we're going to choose church kind of no matter what. And after we did that, um, what really changed about my week is called the pre-service pre-service. Oh my gosh, the power of consistency or the the routine, right? Where I'm going with this is, let me get oh, pre-shot routine. There we go. I got off script. Can you believe it? The pre-shot routine. It was my pre-week routine. It really inspired me and focused me for the week. So as we go into choosing church, right, this sermon could go so many ways. I, I was telling uh, Aaron, um, if, you, if you ever meet him, Aaron Hayes, right, our deacon, I was telling him just yesterday, I'm like, this is one of the hardest sermons I've ever had to write, because I'm like, what do you do? You're literally preaching to the choir, because it's like, hey, be sure you choose church. Oh, you're here already. Well, <laughs> good job. <laughs> Let's move on. That was a short one. Um, you know, do you condemn people for not here? Do you condemn them for, for not showing up on a consistent basis? What do you do with this? So we kind of went with a the theme that, that inspired me personally. And it was those, if you can go back one, it was those two, those two parts right there. The power of consistency and the importance of hearing good news are kind of our, our key themes over here. So, and then you can go to the next slide, which was the power of consistency, right? The consistency of going to church, right? A lot of the power in that is in the pre-shot routine. I don't know how many people have done sports in here. We're going to use a couple sports analogies though. Um, You know, I didn't know doing this challenge was going to help my golf game. I'm not kidding, right? Until I did this research, I'm like, oh, I don't do this. And we're going to watch this. We're going to watch Tiger Woods and his pre-shot routine. And I realized in my golf game, I don't do this. He, he's golfed with me, right? Sometimes it's great. Sometimes I just walk up and hit the ball, and then I say a bunch of words. And uh, then I go to church the next day, and I ask for forgiveness. But uh, let's, go, let's join together, and let's watch Tiger Woods' pre-shot routine. Hey, in this video, we are going to learn from Tiger Woods and other tour players about how to have a good pre-shot routine. There's a few consistent elements that you're gonna see in all of these players' routine. The first one's gonna be some kind of rhythmic practice swing before they hit the ball. So you'll see that he's going back and forth, balanced finish. The next thing that we're gonna see is him standing behind the ball and picking a target and an intermediate target close to him. So one out in the distance and one close to him. He puts the club down, his feet move back and forth. He has his eyes looking at the target. And then he recreates the motion. All right. This one found the right side of the fairway. Good shot. Good shot, Tiger. Right? I wish I hit the fairway a little more often, but it's because I don't do that. And I say that we show you this idea of a pre-shot routine because it's not uncommon in almost any sport. Because the purpose of a pre-shot routine is to gain focus right? You saw him, it's like gain a rhythm was one of the things he talked about, the shuffling of his feet, staying loose, staying focused on those targets, not just that he had, but also to, to keep him consistent. The idea of the pre-shot routine is to keep every shot consistent. You even practice your pre-shot routine. So you're like Michael Jordan, for example, he would take the ball, you know, he'd spin it, do two dribbles, and he would shoot the same shot the same way every time, Right? Go ahead and you can show the next clip for me. We'll actually get Michael Jordan here. So watch this. This is a free throw. Practice. He knew when the routine went well, he could close his eyes and always be able to hit that same shot. And I tell you that because it brought his focus. It brought him back to the fundamentals, the things that he practiced all the time. And with this pre-shot routine, it's meant to eliminate all variables. Do you think there are a lot of variables when you're a professional athlete maybe? Probably a few, right? Michael Jordan, for example, in a basketball game, you got literally opponents, right, that are by you. You got crowd noise. You got all these variables. You got people in the stands booing you because they want you to miss. They want their team to win or in golf, right? The wind, the rain, storms, any sort of conditions are all these different variables that are trying to throw off your game. Even Tiger Woods with like his personal life, you saw kind of the struggle he went through there when his personal life was going poorly. His golf game took a downturn because he couldn't quite shake all these variables that were putting pressure on his game. So I say that as we look into this, right? The pre-shot routine eliminates all variables, and it's meant to bring you back to the basic fundamentals. The fundamentals, the most basic of things that you always do, right? How many, go back to that slide for me. I'll let you know. Good. You take a look at that. How many golf swings do you think Tiger Woods has taken? Thousands? Thousands? Millions, hundreds of thousands, right? How many free throws do you think Michael Jordan shot over the time of his career? Thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million, who knows, right? It was a lot. But you see, every time they had this pre-shot routine, it was meant to take them back, right? Eliminate the variables. Michael Jordan knew every time when he closed his eyes and he did that same pre-shot routine, the rim was always 15 feet away. He was always holding the basketball, probably wearing the same shoes he always did. If you didn't know this, he wore his North Carolina shorts underneath the Chicago Bulls shorts. He was even wearing the same shorts that he wore for every game, right? Everything was consistent. He could eliminate the variable so well that he could close his eyes and still make the shot. Same thing for Tiger, probably wearing the same shoes he always does, holding the same golf clubs he always used, same glove. Everything was meant to eliminate all these variables, to do the same thing that you've done a thousand times before. And that's what bring us, brings us back to here today. That's why we choose church, because church is the pre-shot routine for the Christian life. It's meant to bring you back to the message you've probably heard a thousand times, if not more, before. Right, can you skip, uh, skip ahead and go to that verse for me? Right over there. Anybody seen this verse before? Anybody heard of it? John three sixteen. Right? You might, you might have heard about it. And If you haven't, this is the best news you're going to get all day. And I say that seriously. Right? I've had a day where this was brand new to me. And it was amazing. It was an amazing day. I'll tell you that story sometime. But John three sixteen. Right? And a lot of you probably haven't memorized. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's the free throw you've shot a thousand times before. It's the golf swing you've swung a thousand times before. You might even see this message in church sometimes, right? It's like you see John 3.16 on the list of readings and you roll your eyes. You're like, oh, what am I going to get out of this? I know this. I've heard it a thousand times before. But you see, life is very often full of distractions, right? There's a lot of crowd noise. There are a lot of things trying to derail you off this this Christian life, off this Christian path to shake your game, to draw your attention away from those fundamentals. And that's why this pre-shot routine is always there for you, to bring you back, draw you back to the core, which is that, that every Sunday you would hear here, at least if not every Sunday, every day you show up here, you'd hear that message. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for you. And that because you believe in him, A gift given to you by the Holy Spirit that because you believe in him, you shall not perish, but you shall have eternal life. If we go to the next point over here, continue with that power of consistency, right? The power of consistency builds upon the foundations, right? So you got the foundation. You already know. You got John 3.16. You got the gospel. All right. I've got the very essence of of what it means to be Christian. Christ for me, the things that have done for me so I could be saved, right? It's just like layup practice. I've done this layup a thousand times. I've got it. It's just like theater rehearsal, right? You go to the theater, you go, you practice every day. So then when it comes to showtime, all the other variables don't get to you. Even though a show is, if you've ever been in a show, it's nothing like doing rehearsal, right? Something changes, electricity in the air. But when all those variables come in, you still perform, on those foundations, because the power of consistency prepares you to build upon those foundations. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And there's a great section you can work with over there and continue on, but, but we'll, we'll stop over there. So I want to talk about how the church is here Time and time again to equip you, not just with the pre-shot routine, but to equip you for that work of ministry that Paul's talking about. So we go to Jesus and the Samaritan woman. This is John chapter 4. Love this story. You can preach a thousand sermons on this. A thousand different sermons. All of it's great. But where I want to get to is after Jesus meets with the woman and the disciples go away, she's amazed that she with us. she's meeting with God. And then finally, um, she's like, I'm so inspired. i got to tell everybody who this Son of Man is, who the Messiah is. So she leaves, and Jesus is left alone at this well. And the disciples come to her, and they, and they say, when they returned, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something, because they went off to get food, and they realized he was hungry. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. And that part, the the doing, that serving part Jesus is talking about, that's that next level of satisfaction, right? That the church is here to equip you to do that. So I hate to take you back to, I'm gonna take you back to my dance career real quick. One of the reasons I started learning to be a dance teacher is because I wanna learn how to dance with my wife. She's beautiful. Of course I want to dance with her, right? So we, we kind of, I kind of worked something out with the boss. He's like, yeah, sure, you're training, and then um, I'll teach you to dance with your wife. It'll be great, but in return, I'd like you to learn how to teach others as well. And I found that to be amazing because I, I joined the dance business to learn to dance with my wife, but then as I kind of grew in that and then started to teach others, all of a sudden I was becoming far more enriched by teaching others, than, than learning by myself. Does that make sense? When I got to teach others and share the gift, it's like, oh man, I know what dancing is going to do for your marriage. One of my favorite stories is I had a couple that came in and they were like, they were tough, right? They were just quiet and like not friendly, and I'm like, okay, I'm like brand new, I'm like, alright, this is going to be great, and they're like, yeah, we're doing dance lessons, I'm like, alright, Bill, listen to me, alright, and he was like the CEO of this huge major company, and I'm like, uh, oh, you know, I make a little bit of money, how much, you know, do you make, and he's like, I make the world, but Bill, Bill comes in, it's a very intimidating situation, but we, we do all these beginner lessons, and, and we do this, it's called the social foundation package, which is another 15 lessons, we've done about 20 lessons together, and they decide to continue on, I'm like, and I look, I'm talking to my boss, I'm like, I don't know why they're still doing this because they are not having fun. I don't know what to do to make it fun. I don't know what to do to sing and enjoy. And then after about a year of dancing, he comes to me and says, Chris, I want to thank you so much for all of this. And I'm like, okay. And he looks at me and says, this saved our marriage. This was the very last thing we were going to do. And if it didn't work out, the next week, when we didn't buy, if we didn't buy lessons the following week, we were going to go file divorce papers and i was like oh, no pressure you know at this point they'd been dancing for about a year year and a half and i'm like i can't believe you're still here and he's and but i found out how big that was and how enriching it was to me to share that love for something that i wanted to learn it was so not, like satisfying in such a good way Ch- changed my heart not that i was selfish and it was something that was indeed for them but i felt so wonderful i found it so much sat so much more satisfying to teach it than to learn to use it and do it by myself. And the side benefit is, you probably know this, if you teach something, you'll learn to do it a lot better yourself, right? If you learn how to teach, you go, oh, I didn't realize how much I didn't understand this, right? But when you learn how to teach something and equip somebody else to do it, not only do you become far more enriched because you understand it more yourself, you become so much more enriched because you see the wonderful gift and not what it's doing for you, but what it does for others, You know, Paul kind of gives an example like this. Let's go to the the next slide, right? Yum. Beef with gravy, right? I'm sure you guys are loving some of that right now. If you haven't tasted it, it's gross. Um, And, (laughs) I mean, not that I have. But, uh, (laughs) and then we got some delicious steak over there, which I have tasted, and it's indeed very good. Paul talks about spiritual milk and solid food in Corinthians, and Peter brings it up as well. That spiritual milk is what's necessary, right? When a baby is growing and developing, what do they need? milk, right? Whether it's from their mother or it's formula, right? That's the first thing they start consuming, spiritual milk. When you come and you come to church and you choose church, you hear about the message of Jesus Christ for you, that John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so you shall not perish, but that you will have eternal life for all who believe in him, right? You get that. You get the spiritual milk. I get what's for me, and Jesus is saying, now wait, there's more. Not only do you have that for you, but now you get to learn the gift of sharing that with others. You get to learn that gift of how satisfying it is now that you've learned it yourself to teach it and share it with others. You get to learn what's a little bit more satisfying than milk is some solid food. You'd rather have some steak. I'm telling you, Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing about. But it's to teach and serve and love one another as Jesus has loved us. And that's why I say the church is just so crucial, right? Right? We don't want you just to get the message. That's the most important thing. I want you to know the message of Jesus Christ for you. But Jesus says, I have so much more in store for you. And my church is here and I will establish it to share it with you. As we move forward, being like Jesus, we have that spiritual milk and solid food. And you'll get both when you attend worship or when you come to church or when you meet as a body of believers. Choosing church has spiritual milk and solid food. It's got beef and gravy and the solid steak. As we move to our final point over here, the importance of hearing good news. And that's why the church is here. I love that section from Matthew 16, right? With this, um, I think it's on the next slide. There it is, right? Matthew 16, 16, right? So when Jesus um, says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he says, upon this rock, upon this, I will build my church. I build my church on the fact that I build it on Jesus, right? If you got this statement, that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who's come to save, the Son of the living God, very God, um, very God, very God, light of life, right, comes to earth in the body of an infant in in the form of a human, that vulnerable, in order to save us, that's what the church is built off of. And that reason for the church will never exist, even though, like, you see worship styles change, Right, you got places where you're 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 in full robes, and you got you got stoles and ropes that you wear instead of belts. Right, you could tell maybe a bit of my background, or you come in shorts and sandals, and they preach and they're outside. It's just like oh, like why? How can church seem to change so much? Well, the church adapts to where it's needed, but the purpose and the reason and the message never change, and that's to lift up Christ, right? To magnify Christ and the good news He has. For you As I move on, the, place, it, the church is the place you should consistently hear that good news, because there's no shortage of bad news everywhere you go, right? You could find bad news, probably a lot easier than you could find good news. As you look into the Being Challenge, there's a fascinating section about this news source called the City Reporter. What they did is the city reporter decided for one day, they were only going to put up headlines of good news. They heard everybody's complaints about, oh, the the news is sensationalized. Oh, this is bad news. All you're feeding us is propaganda. Everything's bad. Why don't you ever report on anything good, right? Have you heard these complaints before? I certainly have. So the city reporter said, okay, we'll report on good news for one day. Every headline was good news, and even stuff that was a little shaky, they put a silver lining in that headline, you know, to make sure that it seemed like good news. And that day, they lost two-thirds of their readership. In one day, right? And you, you laugh because it's so ironic, right? It's like, hold on. All they report on is good news and no one wanted to read it? Yep. All they had to report was good news and it was good news no one wanted to hear. And isn't that a reflection a bit of our sinful human nature? Right? We almost crave bad news for others, not for us. Right? We always highlight and sensationalize the bad news is what we keep looking back. And and the church being here, it's really neat um, because it's like it needs to shock our systems into hearing good news. That it's not just okay that there is good news for you. If you haven't, you know, if we've talked about like sermon structure, you hear what's called law and gospel, right? We tell you the law, which is what what we have done and why we need Jesus, right? And then we get back to the gospel. It's a very simplified version of it, but then how Jesus has come and saved us, right? How without Jesus we are lost and we are broken in sin and we deserve punishment. But then the gospel is, but Jesus came and took that punishment on um, his say, on himself for us, right? We have this law and gospel. It's almost like we got to ease you in. Guess what? Here's the bad news, but you got good news. It's like we got to ease you into it. And it's a great way to um, be, you could say, relevant, right? Talk about the things that are going on in life in a broken world. But it's also ironic that we got to ease you a bit into good news because we're so used to the bad. So as we kind of wrap up here, i got, you can go to the next slide for me. We often separate our lives into past, present, and future. God sees us all in all of our, all of our being, all of our eternity, the plans that we've had before, and, and knitting us together in the womb. But we kind of have these three, past, present, and future. So I'm going to make sure I cover the good news basis today. And I'm going to make sure you get good news for your past, God's faithfulness in your past. I want to make sure you hear good news for your present, God's power in your present, and then God's hope in your future, to make sure you have good news For your future. And I got three verses as we wrap up today. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Here Paul writes, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Maybe today you need to hear about the things that have been done in the past, the things you've done in the past that you know should be held against you and and the things that God should rightfully hold against you, right, in order for justice to be served. In fact, those things, the things that wake you up at night, I tell people just once in a while, I remember the dumb things that I've done in my life, and they like to come, like, as I'm going to bed and keep me awake. Satan says, hey, do you remember this thing you did? Idiot. I go, oh, man, I can't believe that I did that. Those moments where you just have those shocks of, I can't believe I did that and how terrible it was. Know that that was nailed to the cross. And nailed to the cross as Jesus' blood ran down that cross, covering that sin that was nailed to the cross and forgiving you for it. So know that you have the good news of what's happened in your past. But maybe you need God's power in your present. Here we continue. It's in uh, Philippians chapter 4 where Paul writes, I'm not saying this because I am, I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Or more popularly said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe you're in this time of your present where you've got so much. It's like, Lord, I am overwhelmed by, by the blessings that I have and the plenty that you've placed me in, and I don't know what to do with it. Lord, help me with, with what I have. I, I don't know how to best serve you, or I, I just feel like I'm drowning in the things that are going on. Or you're in that time of want. Lord, I don't know how we're getting food on the table tomorrow. Lord, I don't know. Uh, I'm so dissatisfied with my job and the hours I put in, or I'm dissatisfied with the function of what I'm doing. Lord, I need your power. I need your strength. I feel like I need your support right now. I know that God's power is there, giving you strength in those tough times, in the present, even now. And then, of course, for our future, Revelation 21, verse 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, or crying or pain. For the order, the old order of things have passed away. If you're looking for your future and you're just waiting for some of the old order of things to pass away, the pain, the anxiety of things that are coming up, the the future, it could be the mourning, right, of the of what future will look like without somebody. It could be just the the pain you're going through and what's the pain gonna look like tomorrow. Know that God indeed seeks to be close to you. And that in the future there will be no pain or grief. He will indeed wipe away every tear from their eye and there will be no more mourning. So as we are here today, right? We're connected throughout all of time, right? Past, present, future, not just together, but with the communion of saints is a great way to say it, right? Past, present and future. God has good news for your past, your present and your future. And part of this this aspect, this challenge about choosing church is being like Jesus. How do of the thing, the church itself is instituted by Jesus, built on his, the very identity of who he was for our sake, but also to give us purpose, right? So we don't feel so lost in the world, being like, okay, I'm a Christian, now what? <laughs> Jesus has more in store for you than that. And being, hearing that good news of Jesus and keeping it in the forefront of our mind allow it to transform and affect who we are and what we're doing. So I guess it's funny, like you know, sermon about choosing church. Uh, Thank you for being here. And uh, God bless you for being here today. And for being with us online, of course, as well. To him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.